Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. That's what I always say. You always follow the money. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. Paulie's out today. Jonathan Vontobo is in in this hour. We'll uh, get into some Major League Baseball futures, NBA. And Chris Patola is going to join the program as well on college basketball coming up in about 30 minutes, plus our best bets on today's card as well. JVT is the uh, senior betting analyst in the NBA here at the network as well. So as long as you're here, we'll get into some futures and uh, find out if anything sticks out to you today. Um, Paulie was uh, on the air weeks ago saying, time to buy the Cleveland Cavaliers to win the division at plus $8 is uh, what he did. They were recently as high as minus 360 in that range to win it. Now with a couple of losses after the All-Star break, Bucks playing a little bit better basketball here Cavs are now back to minus 135. Bucks are plus 115. It is a grueling schedule coming up for the Bucks over the next two to three weeks. Do you want to take a little bit of plus money while it's there on them? I mean, I not entirely because you got a couple of good wins when you're coming out, right? Which is obviously you, you like to see that, especially a win like they did against Minnesota. Sure. Um, really, really strong for them. And then you take care of business against a bad Philadelphia 76ers team. But you mentioned the schedule. Uh, positive residual has it as the fourth hardest strength of schedule in the NBA. And cool thing about positive residual, it's not just your opponent's record. It factors in a lot of stuff, factors in travel, altitude, all, all these different things. So you have one of the hardest schedules. Uh, in terms of rest advantages, you're at a net loss in terms of minus one. You got two games in which you'll have an advantage. You got three games in which you'll be at a disadvantage. And an even split in terms of home and, a road, and road games for Milwaukee. So I think that's going to be part of the problem is the schedule for them really beefs up here. Uh, as far as Cleveland is concerned, by strength of schedule, they're much lower. They're about 14th, 15th uh, when it comes to their remaining strength of schedule. Uh, they have to give away two games on the road, so they're 12 to 14. But it's a lot easier for them as you're looking at it. Uh, and for um, back-to-backs as well, both teams relatively even. So I think the way this plays out is they'd still roll with Cleveland to get this two-seed. The losses, too, I don't think you're overtly concerned. Donovan Mitchell missed the first couple of games with illness right before or right when they came out of the break. So it's not like they're starting to slide. It's just that they weren't at full strength. I'd still be looking for Cleveland to win this thing in terms of that race for the two-seed in the division. Okay. Any division bet that actually sticks out to you maybe a little bit? Uh, the Magic have the easiest schedule in the NBA yep. moving forward. They are plus 190. The problem with that is you look at Miami, they have the second easiest schedule in the NBA for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think I think that you're probably like I, I. Here's the thing, I think you're making the case for Orlando only because while Miami has an easy schedule, they have not been consistent in terms of availability, right? Like you know, Jimmy Butler has been injured; he has missed time because of a personal issue. Then of course we have this suspension. The same thing can be said for Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier and all of these guys. Are we banking on the fact that Miami is going to have these guys consistently available? throughout the rest, the entirety of the rest of the season. And I think that's that's kind of the trick that you're playing here because of these two teams, Orlando went through a stretch in the first half where they had some injuries that they dealt with. But for the most part, their guys have been consistently available. And there's been a very strong consistency with them on the defensive end. 
And with a schedule that I think is manageable, I feel like I would trust Orlando a little bit more and at the very least have a, have a better shot at winning this thing than what the market would say at this point right now. Also, the big thing with Orlando in terms of strength of schedule and whatnot, they have 15 home games to nine road games. Okay. So they play really well at home. They barely travel at all. Uh, by positive residual, the easiest schedule left. I mean, they have a cool thing, too, where they map it out. So you, like, you see their travel. Like, they're just on the East Coast the rest of the way. They don't have any West Coast trips left. It's a schedule that really does work for the Orlando Magic, where I think I'd be probably riding with Orlando in that. So let me bring up Atlanta. They have the 13th hardest schedule remaining. Probably not as much as me. <laughs> they are seven games out. Can I say the good news here is that Trey Young is out for another month. Yeah. Is this one of those things where this could be addition by subtraction? The team galvanizes around the loss of Trey Young. They actually get it together, play over their heads, and they go on. A, they're five, it's 500 to one to win the division, but they're seven games out. Right. I don't know about winning the division. And, and I want to be clear, too. Like, it's not that I think that Trey Young is the problem with, with Atlanta because he's having a really, really good season. The thing with Atlanta is just I don't think Trey Young and DeJounte Murray work together. And you see it in terms of the splits when guys are on court, off court. With Trey Young off the floor, they have a positive net rating of plus 0.9. Their most used lineup without Trey Young on the floor has a net rating of plus 12.4. Wow. They outscore opponents by 12.4 every 100 possessions, or 12.4 points every 100 possessions. When you have DeJounte Murray on the court and Trey Young off the court, they still average 121.6 points per 100 possessions, and they're still a positive team. So that's kind of the problem is just these two guys split up have been much more effective uh, without the other because I think that's just the way it works. So as we kind of move forward, like we were talking about today against Utah, and by the way, it's the same thing on the inverse. Trey Young on the floor without DeJounte Murray, positive net rating, most used lineup, plus 14.5 net rating. It's just that they don't work. So I think that this is a team that when there is, like these next four weeks without Trey Young, there's a case to be made that this team is worth playing on because they just flow better with a singular point guard on the floor, which is why, again, here against Utah, I mentioned that like I'm kind of playing against Utah here uh, down this stretch because I think that the market hasn't really accounted for Simone Fontecchio, Kelly Olenek, Oshag Baji all being gone. Those are guys who play 20-plus minutes a game, have positive impacts on this team. You're only laying like two today here at home with Atlanta, but I think this team's just better because Trey Young and DeJounte Murray are split up, not necessarily because Trey Young specifically. Totally is agree board. with that. Um, and and I think it's a short number tonight as well with the Hawks. Now, I'm 0 for The reason why I don't like this team is because <laughs> I have not cashed a bet either on nor against the Hawks this entire year. You have you have my favorite text that I've gotten during the NBA season. I think it was I think it was the Rockets. Was it the Rockets-Hawks yes, game? Yes, yes. And you were like, this team stinks, and all of a sudden they paint the, the Hawks come in and they paint a Picasso <laughs> against them. The they couldn't miss. Rockets couldn't miss in the first them. quarter in the first half of that uh, game. I was on Atlanta, too, in that game, yeah. Okay, so... I'm looking right now at the VSIN NBA player prop analyzer, yeah. which is a great tool. And I awesome. would recommend if you like playing player props, you got to look at it every single day. It's very easy to find on the website as Real well. Real quick, I just want to say, I think it's the most underrated thing that we have that we don't advertise enough on the website. The, the player prop analyzer. It is it's great. Excellent. Yep. Okay. So I clicked on the results versus the current DraftKings prop for DeJounte Murray, right? Because now with no Trey Young in his first game last time out, he had 11 assists. Well, that number now is 8.5 tonight, and it's minus 145 to the over. I would say don't fool yourselves here because when you click on the results versus the current number, he's 45-9 and nine to the under. 11.5 assists, on, or I'm sorry, 8.5 assists on the year. But that makes sense, right? Yep. Because Trey Young was there for the full season, and now when he was not there... He had 11 in the first game, and you expect this guy now, he's going to probably revert back to the guy that we had in the Spurs for absolutely. so long when he was like a borderline triple-double every single game. Yes, absolutely. And like the usage rate's just going to go up. The ball's going to be his hands. Like that's just ex what you're going to expect here uh, when it comes to uh, DeJounte Murray now that he's not going to be out there. For example, 31.2% uh, was his usage rate um, in the first game without Trey Young. Like just this last one for the season, it's at 26%. Like, that's a really big spike with the ball in your hands and being the facilitator. And we remember, DeJounte Murray was with San Antonio. He was like that triple-double-ish point guard because yes. he could he rebounds effectively. He's, he's a little overvalued as a defender in terms of narrative, but he's still a solid defender. But he's a good passer, too. Like, no, I, I think absolutely. It's a, it's a very great look there. Let me give you uh, three other guys tonight with their current DraftKings assist prop number. Uh, Jeremy Soch Sochan, 
Spurs? Sohan, I Sohan, guess. Sohan, yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Um, it's two and a half. The over is plus 124. He's 40 and 17 over two and a half assists on the year. Yeah. It, now, I'd be careful with that because remember, for a while, they started him a point guard. Oh. And they they sh- they shifted that up a little bit, so I think that's maybe why the assist numbers were a little, would be a little out of whack. But I mean, still, he's an awesome glue guy. Like he, the ball doesn't the, the ball doesn't stop with him. It's a mover. He's going to pass it to an open guy. I wouldn't hate it at all, especially when you're talking about the potential pace uh, of this game that we could be playing here today. Josh Giddy, Oklahoma City. It's three and a half over. Is plus one hundred five. He's thirty nine and seventeen over three and a half assists on the year. That's going to be interesting because as we talked about with Oklahoma City, we're starting to see the leash kind of tighten on Giddy. You know, because now, like, when, when teams start to stymie up and muck that offense up, then you're talking about, all right, well, let's get them off the floor. Let's space this out a little bit. Having said that, I think you're doing it in situations or playing against that in certain situations, like against better teams sure. that are going to be able to muck this thing up. Houston's not going to be able to do that against Oklahoma City, I think. Yeah. Uh, another one would be Derek White. His assist prop tonight is three and a half over his minus 150 at DraftKings. He's 38 and 15 yeah. over three and a half assists on the year. I think that's one worth looking, especially as somebody who thinks like Boston's going to be the side tonight. You know, Boston quietly has moved to number one in offensive efficiency. Like they're, they're incredible on both ends. But ball moves around, doesn't stick with him either. Uh, he'll take open shots, but for the most part, he'll find the next guy. Uh, I think that's definitely worth looking, at, especially if they're going to cover this number like I think they are. A lot of points to go around. Do you want to make the case this morning for anybody to win an award in the NBA? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sixth man. Um, Let's do it. Ready? Any idea who's going to win sixth man? I've got Norm Powell at 45 to 1 to win sixth man of the year. He is, what, what's incredible is, he does not have the points per game that these others do, right? But you know what he's got? He is an integral part to one of the most efficient lineups in the NBA, and he closes out games every night for the Los Angeles Clippers. He is in that lineup, out there hitting threes, defending at a high level. I think that when you look at it in terms of not only the stats and his impact on the floor, but also what he has done for a team that is competing for a top three seed in the Western Conference, I don't think there's any question when you look at it in comparison with Malik Monk, Tim Hardaway Jr., he is a difference maker for a team that could finish in the top three in the NBA. Norm Powell, sixth man of the year. Give it to him. Is he bettable at plus 450? I think so. Because I, I, I don't think that – I think what's the what's the price on uh, on Hardaway right now? Or is it Malik Monk who's the odds Malik on Malik Monk again? is odds yeah, on. Yeah, what, what is it again? A minus 115? Um, or is it higher now? He is – hold on, I just went away. Because the, pro- the problem is I just don't think that anybody should be an odds-on favorite in this market. He's, so, my, yes, he's by, minus 130. Yeah, so like by extension – I think that there is value on Norm Powell because I just don't think that there's this gap between all three of these guys. Hardaway also plus 450. Most yeah. improved. Is this going to be Maxi at the end of the year? He's minus 240. No, I don't think so. That's I, the one I really disagree with. I think you can make a case for a lot of these. Kobe White has been a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's been incredible. Kaminga and the turnaround that he's had for this Warriors team that has started to win some games has been an integral part to that. Maxie's been good, but I don't think you're talking about like this runaway favorite to win an award. Yeah, I've been talking about this now for like a month, so I kind of wanted to hear somebody else's opinion on this. I'll go back a couple years ago, just really quickly. The year Julius Randle won most improved, at one point, Jeremy Grant was minus 550 to win that award that year, and and he did not win it. Yeah. So these odds are not not predictive when it comes to awards like subjective uh, things like most improved. No, as Doug Kazarian called it with us a few weeks ago, he said these are fake markets. Yeah. They really are. Yep. We'll continue with some uh, Major League Baseball uh, futures coming up next here on VEASAN. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Baseball's back, baby. Come on, we're right here. No better way to hit it off than with group free, uh, group fruit, grapefruit? Wow, I can't read. Cactus Leagues and with Beeson's free MLB betting primer. This primer is going to tell you how to bet on spring training. Continue all season long with our VEASAN experts. World Series future analysis are free. That's right, free. F-R-E-E. MLB betting primer has basic baseball betting advice for those new to betting Major League Baseball, plus a breakdown on how to use sabermetrics for more data-driven bettors to make this your best season yet. Bet the MLB smarter this year. Download the free MLB betting primer now for free at VEASAN.com slash guide. It's VSIN.com slash guide. Did I mention it's free? Group fruit sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Remember, I don't know. If, I don't think these are the thing anymore. Do you remember when they crossbreeded grapes and apples, and they had those grapples that they I would sell do, at actually, the uh, yeah. at the, uh, the the supermarket, if you would? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you ever eat grapefruit? No, I like. Gra- it's weird. I don't like grapefruit, the fruit, but I like grapefruit flavored things. That makes no sense. Yeah, right. Well, because it's all fake and sugary. Like squirts, one of the best sodas out there. Okay, but grapefruit itself is also. Very sweet. Is it? You never had it? I just, all I know is that, like, don't you, do you eat it for, like, breakfast or something? Sure. Like you cut it in half and then yeah, you, why you just like, eat it with a spoon? Yeah, then you kind of take the knife and you get cut the sections off it. Eat it, like, you know in what? triangles. I'm going to go buy a grapefruit today. Well, this is interesting because uh, I did not know this until yesterday. You and Dustin Sweetelson, oh, yeah, yeah. former producer of this show, you're in a competition from now until basically the football season. Correct. Uh, I'm proud of you guys, first of all, if you want to explain what uh, be, this is. Be proud at the end. Well, uh, the idea of actually getting into this. So, right. yeah, the pride here can last maybe two days before you guys fall off the rails, <laughs> right. and then I'll take that comment back. But right. The ultimate fatness championship, UFC. Uh, we have a weight loss competition going. So a uh, winner is going to be the person who loses the highest percentage of their weight uh, by our final weigh-in, which is September 5th, NFL's opening Thursday. We're going to have two bonus check-ins. So April 15th, which is the end of the NBA regular season. Our second bonus check-in is going to be July 15th, which is MLB All-Star break. And then, of course, the final weigh-in when the season starts. So there's our opening weights. I checked in at 300.7, uh, Dustin at 376.1. And we're going to see who can do this. Now, here's the thing. This is a good thing for our audience as well. Uh, so I'm going to set up a, a way so you guys can get into this. But Bill 80 has agreed to, how about this? Audience members, if you want to get in on this and send us, and I'll, I'll put together an email so you can send it in there. If you send us your opening weights and want to get involved, the audience member who loses the most amount of weight over this time as well gets a free year of VSIN Pro. And if you already have a pro subscription, we'll extend it for a year. So we're going to work on getting a, an official entry bucket kind of thing going oh, digitally. Awesome. Uh, but I asked Bill Aidy if he wanted to do it to get some of our listeners involved because, let's face it, the BMI of our audience is probably on the above average side. So let's do this thing. As I've learned recently, BMI is trash. <laughs> probably. It's not a great metric, if you will, to look that's, that's at anymore. That's a good point. Isn't it just like weight times like height or something ridiculous? It's really and it's, silly, and uh, I've seen like – People make the case that you don't want to go by BMI anymore, regardless. Well, one of my favorite things was like BMI. If you do, if you did like NFL players, like I remember doing like JJ Watt one time, and it was like morbidly obese. I was like, I don't think JJ Watt's yeah. morbidly obese. Uh, what is your plan of attack here, by the way? I would think that knowing Dustin, I would think that you have to be uh, at least some sort of substantial favorite here to win this. So he's got a personal trainer. I keep being told he's from Brazil. Like that matters, I guess. I don't know if that like if that's a qualifier that makes him okay. more potent as a be personal scared, trainer. JBT, right? Be very yeah. scared. Um, 
But I look as somebody who has, and I think you know you've known me for a long time. So I've actually done this before. I I was in the you past, have willpower. Yeah, I was in the past. I was as high as three twenty, and I got down to a buck eighty. So like I've done the weight loss thing before. So I think you know you go back to the roots, do all this kind of stuff. The sneaky part is my wife is low key a psychopath. You know, she goes to like Pilates every single day, all that kind of stuff. And I told her what we were doing, and she looked me up and down. She goes, "You going to work out today then?" <laughs> so like i've got somebody who's all in on this with me as well but i agree i think dustin dustin's barking a lot he, he's talking oh, a lot oh, is that right oh, he, he's oh, talking dustin, a lot dustin's talking trash yep. interesting he, he's okay sending a lot of pictures i i think you know when you're talking about being loud it's a sign of weakness i think dustin understands what's going on um now here's the thing i do have a lot of pressure overwhelmingly the selections among the v-sin like bosses john goulet well, bill ad yeah. you like all this the selections have been well, no, but like of the Vsin people as well. The selections have been me. I have been told, no pun intended, that I am a heavy favorite to win this thing. Well, you absolutely have to be, and here's the reason why. I've only known Dustin for like I don't know two years, whatever. Have you ever seen the movie Up? Yes. Okay, it's a fantastic like. Uh, is he the voice kid? Is he the picture kid? movie, right? Okay, there <laughs> there is a part that's relatable to any single person who who's ever owned a dog in that movie, and I laughed like hysterically the first time I ever saw the movie. It's when the dog sees the squirrel for the first time. Yeah, right. And then after that, it's like, squirrel. And he, that's Dustin. Dustin is the dog. So when that dog sees a squirrel, his mind goes, it's going over here. And this like Dennis Rodman in the last dance. The balls are, go they are the reflections are for right. the rebounds are all over the place. His attention span is 14 seconds long. You could, he could talk the biggest amount of trash of all time today on his show later on. Yep. And during the break, I could say, hey, Dustin, uh, do you want to go to the Bacchanal buffet tonight at Caesars Palace? Sure. What time? He would, be, he would completely lose his train of thought yep. and would be on to the next thing. So you should beat him. Well, you should be a huge favorite here, although he does have the edge because he's, he's 76 pounds heavier than you are. Yes. Yeah, so that's why we move up percentage, percentage of weight yeah. as opposed to like weight lost, uh, which I think would be pretty big. And here's the other thing. This is why, if you'll notice, this is like a six-month thing. Part of the challenge of weight loss is the longevity of it. Well, can't you, you can't stick do, through this. It's got to be six months compared to like something that would be six weeks. Yes. Now, I also tried to get um, fellow beefy boy Kelly Olenek, uh, Kelly Olenek, uh, Kelly Bidlin in on this. Um, Kelly Olenek's beefy too, producer of a numbers game. Yeah. But he's using PEDs, so I don't think that he's allowed to be on. He's on the O now, I think. Is he? Yeah. No, then, yeah, of course, that tricky by the way dustin i could see him taking that and not being on the up and up and telling people well so here's the thing we, we did not establish in the rules okay. that you can't do it so if dustin wanted to if he wanted to try because he's going to lose if he wanted to try as much as possible have a personal trainer and take peds that's perfectly fine if that's what you need to be okay i won't call it cheating but dustin will find any edge that he can to beat you he should needs it if he can stick with it yeah yeah by the way, Nikki already tweeted it. Nikki, I'll put something together uh, again for the audience members who are interested in doing this with us, following along, sending in weights and pictures and stuff. Uh, and the winner amongst audience members will get a, a free VEASAN Pro subscription as we talk with Bill 80. But I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, it's awesome. And, and the cool thing is, even if I lose or if Dustin loses, uh, as Patrick uh, Maher put it, we're all just we're all getting healthier and, and doing it. So sure, so nothing, good nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, and not to be the cheesy guy, but like one of the things that I don't want to be is, uh, is now my kids are getting older. Is like the fat dad, right? Doesn't want to play. You know, can't play with the kids. Do all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, it's a very big motivating factor. And kicking Dustin's ass. You want to go out there and be able to throw the ball around yeah. with your kid when he's old enough and then not be huffing and puffing 30 seconds right. into it. Like, right. oh, good God, what's going on here? Yeah, right, exactly. How many MLB futures have you bet? Or are you two? Uh, so I've only got two so far. The win total. I was going to make a fat joke, but I'll pass. Uh, what is it? Never mind. Go ahead. No, I like fat jokes, especially since I won't be fat anymore. Well, you called it the fatness champ. What is yeah, it called? The ultimate, the ultimate fatness, championship. fatness championship. So, okay. I also got a lot that I appreciate Bill checking in, too. Um, the shock at me weighing in at just over 300. I guess I carry my weight well. I would not have guessed 300 pounds. Steve Fezzik, I saw Steve Fezzik yesterday. He asked me how much I weigh. He's looked at me. He's like, oh, six, he tried to do this. Like, oh, I'm guessing like 250. Yeah. I was like, no, nope. No, 300 caught me. I also didn't think Dustin was 376. You, right? I would have guessed. He's a big guy, but I, guess, guy, guy, but I, would, I would have guessed much lower than that. Yep. I would have guessed maybe 325, 340, something like that. Yep. But I'm also, like, your kids, I, I don't know if they're two or if they're seven. I have no clue with kids' ages. I, I am the worst person in the world. Yep. If my life was ever on the line and a random stranger had a gun to my head and said, you need to guess the exact age oh, of my dude. kid, I'd be like, just shoot me right now. I have no prayer.
What a situation, no prayer. What a situation that would be. Yeah. Um, Imagine that if, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill you if you don't, right. if you don't know the age of my child. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you. Like some kids too, it's all about their mentality too. Like some of them talk to me. I'm like, you seem like the stupidest kid I've ever talked to. I'm like, oh, he's seven. I'm like, okay, <laughs> wow, all right. <laughs> So what do you have for baseball futures here? So just the two so far. Under, Yankees under? Yeah, Yankees under and Angels under. And I think for the Angels, too, because we haven't really expanded on it, I think the pitching staff is going to be a nightmare. You don't like, like Reed Detmers? No, nah, like, like, there's, there's only like one or two guys that really stick out to you when you're talking about what the Angels can be from a pitching standpoint. Um, when you look at it overall, right? So for their rotation right now, Reed Detmers at the top I think has some potential. Yeah, certainly but, he does. Right. But And Griffin Canning, I think we know who he is at this point right now. Patrick Sandoval, same thing. Tyler Anderson, it's a nightmare. Like, you, you bought high on a guy who was having a career year. Uh, and then the back end, Chase Silseth, whoever's going to fill that. All guys who have projected ERAs, four of them, or three of them, by, you know, excuse me, four of them have projected ERAs of over 4.3. So it's not really going to go well. Don't really love the bullpen. And I do think that, I think Mike Trout's gone by the, by the trade deadline. You already missed out on Otani. And I get you're selling pennies on the dollar with, with Trout, but especially if he has a strong year, projected to hit 35 bombs, 258. If he's tracking and he's healthy, I think you just got to really rip what, the bandaid off and go. What are they going to get to, for Trout today compared to what they could have gotten four oh, or five years ago? I know. It's a, but I think you got to do it. And start building around some of these other guys, man. Like Logan O'Hoppy looks like he's going to be a so pretty decent guy. and They're really gonna going to screw this up then. Yeah. They're going to get nothing for Otani, and then they're going to s- sell as low as possible on Mike Trout. Sounds like it. It's going to be a nightmare. They're not going to be very good. And their division is freaking crazy at the That's top. That's a very good division. College basketball. Up next, Chris Patola is going to join the program from ESPN. We'll ask him how dangerous does he see some of these teams in the seed line between like four, five, and six this year. A lot of good teams there potentially coming up here on VEASAN. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5.00 you get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Well, college basketball here as uh, Chris Patola joins the program. Very good analyst on ESPN's college basketball coverage throughout the entire year and on uh, SiriusXM as well. Chris, thanks for the time today. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, one talking point that we get... Uh, and I've heard this several times, obviously, going back uh, a couple of months is, well, what's the Final Four going to look like this year? Is it going to be a year ago when you had all the random, like, non-Power 6 teams get there? Or is it going to be like the year before when it was Blue Bloods? And to me, this is it's completely random. You never know. It could be a combination of both, obviously. But when you look at some of these teams this year who are potentially going to be seated, you know, like 4, 5, 6, and we're talking about the Creightons. Auburn's going to be in that mix probably... Kentucky, St. Mary, Florida, Clemson, like those to me are some serious teams that could do a lot of damage this year in the tournament. Uh, Are you looking at it the same exact way? Yeah, I I do. You know, to me, it is, there's a difference between being good enough to win the national championship and being good enough to make a run to the final four. So you're pointing about like, for example, last year, San Diego state, Mm -hmm. Florida Atlantic, both those teams. Remember, San Diego State was uh, a foul call away from from not going in that elite eight, elite eight against Creighton. I mean, that's how you know thin these margins are of error. But the point being, so much of this tournament is matchup dependent, as you guys know. It's it's you look at that bracket. Um, as as Billis always says, you, you don't have to play the entire bracket. All you have to do is play your region and and to get to a Final Four. And so, you know, there's a number of different ways that that can occur. But at the end of the day, I think if you go back and you look at it, the team that ultimately wins a national championship, I think there's only a handful. Like I, we, that's where I disagree on the, on the parody argument. Um, I think there are only, uh, you know, like this year, I would say there's, I would say probably seven or eight teams that are, that are national championship title worthy. But to your point, I think there's a whole host of these teams that are certainly capable, depending on the region they're in and the matchups they have in front of them, capable of making a Final Four. Who are those teams? Well, you, I mean, you want me to start listening? Are you talking about national championships? Yeah, national, yeah, national, championship national title teams. teams, if you have that small of a list, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think UConn, Purdue are, are, are certainly the favorites. Um, I think Tennessee is absolutely in that category. 
Um, and I think they may end up getting a, a one seed by the end of this whole thing, given what they have left on their schedule. They got a lot of meat on the bone uh, in the regular season and then ultimately in the SEC tournament. Um, I think Arizona, even though they've been a little bit up and down, I think they're certainly capable. Uh, I think North Carolina uh, is is certainly capable, especially with the way R.J. Davis is playing and the way that they defend. I think they're certainly capable of, of winning a national championship. Um, I would throw Marquette in there. Uh, I, I think the way that they play, it's such a versatile lineup offensively, and then the way that they've defended, um, I, I think they're in that category. And then out of that Big 12, I, I don't think there's necessarily like a, a high-end team that we've seen out of the Big 12, but I certainly think the way that Houston and Iowa State defend, mm. uh, no team has seen, you know, you can't simulate it in practice. No team has, has seen uh, two defenses like the way that those two play. Um, so that's kind of a handful of, of teams that, um, that I think are, are capable of being national championship worthy. How about a team that you did not mention? They happen to be the exact opposite on defense, not very good, but they are as good as it gets and elite on offense. And they have, I don't know, maybe seven players who are going to go in the NBA draft, including four or five guys in the first round. And we saw Kentucky's A game against Alabama on Saturday. You didn't leave them, you didn't have them on your list. Is that because the defensive numbers just are not there and you don't trust them defensively? Yeah, I mean, historically, teams with those types of defensive numbers have not won national championships. The other thing that, that scares me about them is their youth. I am not a believer in, in, in youth winning in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, you mentioned NBA draft picks, no question about it. And the, the high, high-end talent is, is certainly on that roster. Um, but to me, they are, they are too young in important spots. And it's part of the reason, guys, that they haven't defended well this year. I mean, young teams, young players typically don't defend, especially when they're offensive-minded. So that's my concern. That's my concern with Kentucky. Follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Our guest, college basketball analyst for ESPN and also SiriusXM, Chris uh, Spatola. So there's another angle here um, that I wanted to ask you about with college basketball as well here, Chris, and that is um, when, when you look at the overall number one seeds and you brought up Tennessee and I, I, I don't disagree because if they run the table or even have like, well, let's say they have one loss because their schedule is an absolute meat grinder down the stretch and then win a, yeah. win a couple in the SEC tournament, they're going to be live for that sixth seed, uh, for that fourth number one overall seed. I'm sorry. The team that I wanted to present though, to you was North Carolina. It's a much easier schedule. If they would sweep Duke and win the regular season and combine that with an ACC tournament outright championship, Will the committee say they won the – I know the ACC is not great, but they have both those titles. Are they going to ignore that team and not give them a one seed? I, you know, there, there's, there's a couple things at play. First of all, I, I think there are more question marks with North Carolina, namely consistency offensively. It, it, there have been more inconsistencies to me with North Carolina this year that could give a committee pause. The other problem for North Carolina, and this is crazy saying this about this conference, but it's where that conference is at. When you have an SEC that's going to get, you know, you do the number. I mean, you know, seven, eight, nine teams in the NCAA tournament. You have an ACC that's probably only going to get five. And I think five, we'll see how the ACC tournament plays out. That narrative is going to play into this whole thing. And, and that's where, like you said, if Tennessee has a collapse here with the meat on the bone in the regular season, down the stretch, and then they lose in the SEC tournament. I think we have a vastly different converse, conversation. But if if Tennessee has has an expected finish to the year, and even if Carolina, I mean, look what they've got left, dude. Outside of Duke, oh. there is like that that game at home against Notre Dame is actually going to hurt their numbers, even yeah. if they win it. That's yep. the problem with the net, man. So that that hurts the way they finish the regular season. Um, and then ultimately in the ACC tournament, again, they're going to play perhaps one or two games in that tournament that does not help them and their numbers. And on top of that, you've got the weight of, of this developing narrative or developed narrative on the ACC and it's, it's average, you know, quality of team. So I, I just, I think that's where ultimately Tennessee would get a nod. So, Chris, one of the things that's kind of bothered me with the conversation around, um, like, the guys at the top, specifically Purdue, a lot of people keep making the comp, of course, to Virginia. I haven't really bought that because I don't think people realize the difference in the makeup of those teams. Right? That Virginia team had a couple NBA guys on it, guard-oriented, really good, good defensively, really unrated offensively. Do you buy the comp that Purdue is Virginia this year with redemption after losing as a one seed? 
Uh, no, I don't. And, and I mean, part of it is like Virginia, Purdue's got to figure out. He, here's he, let me give you a big picture thing here on Purdue and sort of how that that Big Ten conference prepares its teams for the NCAA tournament. In the last three years, guys, the Big Ten has gotten more teams into the NCAA tournament than any other conference by far. The, the Big Ten has gotten 26 teams over the last three years into the NCAA tournament. Over those three years of the 26 teams, only four of them have made the Sweet 16, and only one of the four has made the Elite Eight. And in the three years, the Big Ten has no teams in the Final Four. Now, why do I say that? Well, there has been no more dominant team in the non-conference in college basketball over the last three years than Purdue. But what happens is they get into a Big Ten that has a lot of homogeneous styles. They, they have a lot of teams that play the same tempo. They have a lot of the same defensive schemes. And what's happened is Purdue, with Zach Eady, gets into the NCAA tournament, and they play these teams, these, these mid-major teams like a St. Peter's or like a Fairleigh Dickinson that spread them out. They have really good guards, like, like really good mid-major dynamic athletic guards. They get Zach Eady into some funky matchups, and that's where Purdue has really struggled. Virginia, you know, Virginia is a little bit different because their tempo, their style is, is going to lend itself to close games. And by the way, they, they didn't, before they lost to UMBC, they didn't have quite the struggles in the NCAA tournament that Purdue has had over the last few years. But the, the tempo and the style of Virginia lends itself to, to playing those close games where a team could pick them off. And then UMBC, this idea of spreading a team out and driving them, that's what UMBC did. So there's a similarity there. But to me, Purdue has got to prove that they can go through that Big Ten schedule. And they are a different team. There's no question about it. But they, I, am, I, am, I am dubious of a team who's five man, your, your center as your best player. I am dubious of being able to win a national championship, but that is the case, even if his name is Zach Eady. Hmm. And I am dubious until I'm proven wrong about Big Ten teams and their performance in the NCAA tournament. I, do, I don't disagree at all. Yep. You can follow Chris on X. He's at Chris underscore Spatola. Does a great job on ESPN and also Sirius XM. Thanks, Chris, for the time. We appreciate that. An observation about what he just said about Purdue and how this might be a little bit different and in pocket plays next. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human-moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. 
CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. to determine the winner of any given college basketball game. Someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything. You take it. Take it. Take it. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. Nope. 5 to 1. Nope. 10 to 1. You're on. All right. Had a winner last night. Player pl- uh, prop variety in the no, NBA. Well, I did was not it yet. Not no, it's still graded a loser. Okay, there you go. So but it was a winner. This is a win. Pascal Siakam over three and a half assists plus one twenty. He had six. It would be nice if the sports book were I bet it at. <laughs> now that we're twelve hours after the game, would actually go back and correct it at some point. Don't please don't make your customers drive down to a casino and talk to somebody. Because that's a whole Nevada model. What are you talking about? Uh, it's gonna be just absolutely brutal. So regardless, that was a winner last night. And I know I've sworn off this many, many times before. Do it, baby. See, this is different, though, for me, right? The Trey Young injury, I'm going to buy into this being addition by subtraction. I think the Hawks can go on a little bit of a run. The Jazz are playing absolutely terrible basketball right now. You pointed out how many guys are without now after the trade deadline. Hawks on the money line, no Trey Young. I, I would not bet them with Trey Young, but at a higher number, I want to bet them without him. I, I laid minus 120 on the money line tonight, JVT. I'm with you, baby. Let's do it. Lay the point in half. Let's go. Hawks minus one and a half against the Jazz. Uh, This has been my thing uh, coming out of the All-Star break and going into it, too. Uh, Jazz were not playing particularly great, and they got a win over the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, But I'm going to continue to go against this until um, either my face gets caved in or the market adjusts. Uh, But I'm with you. Uh, This Hawks team, the other day, you're facing Toronto as a seven and a half point favorite. You lose the game outright. You stink. But with no Trey Young, the offense just gets a little bit better. It's not that Trey Young, it's his fault. But DeJounte Murray, just you just need a lone guard out there. Stagger them a little bit. Without him out there, gets a little bit better. Can I ask you this, okay, regarding your play compared to mine? How come laying the one and a half compared to me doing money line minus 120, laying 10 more cents? Because uh, I think it's one possession game, so like I don't really like losing. If this game falls on one, I think there's a high, there's an unlikely chance of doing that. So it's, I'll take the twenty cent discount and lay minus one ten. Okay, so you're right, landing on one. If it does, okay, so be it. All right, you're gonna be. It's happened to me in the past, though. Oh. So once it happens to you and it lands on one and you have a big bet on something, I just I can't get over that feeling, so I don't like doing that. Last year, or to the I think it was last year, so this is my favorite, uh, I had laid one and a half with Chicago against Oklahoma City. Uh, Chicago was up about 30 in the third quarter. They blow it. It goes all the way down to the final play. Bulls are up by four. And there's like three seconds left. They don't care. They don't defend Muscala. Muscala nails a three for the game to land on one. I think I recall that game. On a game in which I had the Bulls minus one and a half. My favorite moment, the tweet that I got that said, you should have just played Moneyline. Okay. They were up by 30. And yet, I know nope, you're an idiot. You should have played in Moneyline. Like, okay. All right. I don't care. Give it to me, baby. You're going to blow them out. For the VEASAN experts to work for you, start betting smarter with a VEASAN Pro subscription. Sign up, VEASAN Pro annual sub. Get your first year for only $199 instead of the typical $240. Just use the promo code FTM. Get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do for an entire year. Daily best bets, betting splits from DraftKings, betting systems, daily write-ups in every single sport, and our upcoming March Madness betting guide. Remember, promo code FTM. Get your first year of VEASAN Pro access, $199. Sign up today at VSIN.com slash subscribe. You can also get Matt Eumann's plays there every single day in college basketball. He joined the program a little bit earlier to give out some of his best bets. Uh, those are available from Eumann's. And also we had uh, Patrick Finley on the show earlier today who covers the Bears from the Sun-Times. And you can go back, listen to our show whenever you want. Search Follow the Money wherever you listen to your podcast. Patrick Finley came on. First of all, I definitely thought when I asked him the question, put a percentage on the Bears trading Caleb Williams or I'm sorry, trading the number one overall pick in the draft, he said about 25 30%. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I thought he was going to say 5%. But he had a caveat with that too. Um, but overall, and he said he threw out, and he said this is a pipe dream scenario, 
Not going to happen. But I find the idea of it interesting. And that was the Bears getting involved with the Patriots in a trade that would send the number one overall pick. Check that. No, the number nine overall pick. Right. And Justin Fields to the Patriots for the third overall pick in the draft. So the Patriots would then have Justin Fields at quarterback and the ninth pick. The Bears would stick with the number one overall pick and take Caleb Williams, and then at number three, take Marvin Harrison. Be pretty nice. What do you think of that that the, idea for uh, both sides? I mean, for the Patriots, I feel like I want something a little bit more than Justin Fields and like the ninth overall pick. Like maybe get throw in like one more thing there, right? Like a third round pick. I don't know. To give you something, I think it would take an additional pick for me to say yes right. to that. Not just a like Justin Fields in the ninth. I think that's it's worth more than that. Um, but having said that, if you can work that out. And all of a sudden you're looking at, especially with the way what Montez Sweat did for that defense, what you could add in free agency because you have cap space, getting Kayla Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you're making the case for finally, right? After like five straight years of people liking the Bears for some odd reason, <laughs> you're finally going to get a year where you're like, oh, yeah, no, I kind of get it. Like yeah. this team looks like it's actually going to be really freaking Now you good. have my attention finally. <laughs> yes, of course. Not, uh, you know, Justin Fields 15 to 1 to win MVP. And then the tricky dilemma, though, for any team that trades for Justin Fields Again, you need to know by early May about that uh, fifth-year option that you're going to sign the guy to, right. which will cost $25 million. So it's tricky because if you send a second or third-round pick, the thought is obviously, well, you're going to sign the guy for – you're not going to do it for one year. So you'd sign him to that 20 – but then you have one year to work with the guy. And what if he's just not it? Like, to me, I don't want to write the – I don't want to, like, write the final chapter – or the final, I guess, paragraph in the final chapter of the Justin Fields book on his career. I don't think it's over with just yet. No. So, and I know it's easy to overreact after three years and say the guy's not it. Uh, we truly don't know that at this point. And by the way, if you say that, then I think you also got to say that Trevor Lawrence kind of stinks. And nobody's going to be willing to do that. But I want to see Fields play a little bit longer before we can have a true assessment on that guy. Same time, it's $25 million and you get one year to know whether or not the guy's going to actually work with your organization. Hmm? And, Tricky, and man. I also think that like that option and that timeline is part of the reason why going back to that deal, you'd probably need more than just Justin Fields in the ninth pick to get up there to number three. Uh, yeah, throw but, in a third or something like you said. Yeah, but but Fields, I, no, I agree with you. And like you saw the potential in terms of the athleticism, and and who knows what happens if you're given like a, a really solid offensive mind to help kind of guide him along the way. Whether it's going to be in Atlanta, New England, whatever it is. Like I mean, we we have a perfect example of it. Like Geno Smith's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback in the NFL. Just needed to fall in the right situation and actually be developed with the right people. And sure Sure. enough, he's a quality starting quarterback in the National Football League. Yep. Also, we discussed Daniel Jeremiah's um, big board, his top 50. He has 11 wide receivers ranked in the top 50. He has uh, four basically with a first-round grade. Eh, Well, based, again, not a mock draft, but he has four wide receivers ranked in the top 16, and he has seven ranked between 33 and 50 overall. And then the quarterbacks... He has Bo Nix, again, big board, not mock draft, big board. He has Bo Nix ranked 26th, J.J. McCarthy 27th overall. And I keep seeing McCarthy getting drafted in that wheelhouse. There's that sweet spot, right, in the first round, 11-12-13, Vikings, Broncos, Raiders. I keep seeing these mocks just by default saying McCarthy's going to go to one of those teams. And I asked you earlier, because I know how you feel about the guy in the first round. I said, if I'll make the prop right now, 12 and a half draft position minus 110 both ways. What are you going to do with that? Over. I just, I'm not, I don't buy this. And I never do. Like, this is, it's not a JJ McCarthy thing for anybody who doesn't know. It's, it's just a, I think we overvalue these quarterbacks every single year in the draft. In the seven years we've had NFL drafting, the under on total quarterbacks in the first round is six and one. We do this all the time with these guys. It is consistently putting them in spots where they generally do not go. This is not how it works. The NFL teams are smarter than this. And choosing between a potential developmental piece, whatever it is, or stud edge rusher who you can plug and play, generally the position guy is going to win out more often than not. We just don't think that's the case, but every year we're reminded of it. So when you say it's 6-1 and one to the under, that means since legalized sports betting passed yes. across the country back in 2018. Yep, for under yeah. on first-round quarterbacks yeah. every time. And by the way, I always state the one, if you actually paid attention – there was a five that was hung. That was a Lamar Jackson year. You could have gotten a push. So you're, you're talking about if you if you played it right, 6-0-1 to the under.
for these quarterbacks. In the well, I, I've heard some, again, this goes back weeks now, but I've heard some say, suggest that the number should be five and a half quarterbacks in the first round. Stop. That's an automatic play to the under if that would pop. But, and you could probably find that if people are, if books are going to be willing to put up like alt numbers. Well, because the mind boggling thing to me is when you bring up Bo Nixon and Michael Penix Jr., you'll read analysis where it's like you can bring him in and sit him for a year to get him ready. He's already 24. I know. Like they're already 24 years old. So by the time you're going to start for the first year, you're going to be 25. That was part of the major knock against uh, Hendon Hooker last year, along with the injuries. I get that, but also he's 25, right? And, and Hendon Hooker such a good example. How many mocks sl- plugged him right in? For Minnesota in that first round. Didn't Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN last year have him yep. like going like super high in the first round? Yep. I think he had him like as a top three pick. We do it every year. Every year. All that chatter, I think, one year was Paxton Lynch. Wasn't he the yep. wild card to go in the first round that was going to ter- determine the first round pick? Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah. Right, or, or no, it was uh, Drew Locke. No, yeah, yeah, there you go. It was Drew Locke. I got my Bronco quarterbacks mixed up. Go back to the go back to the Kenny Pickett year. The, the, the analysts were right. screaming, the stake. The number was three and a half. One went in the first Yeah, round. one went. That's it. Uh, you can follow JVT on X. He's at me, JVT. Paulie's under the weather. Great job today, pal. Thanks, man. Hope I could do it again soon. If you missed any of the show, you can catch Follow the Money wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max.